Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. You saw the video last week, and uh, we were going to do it again today, but that's okay. Those things happen, do they not? I mean, Daryl showed you his socks. My socks aren't near as nice as yours. My, oh my. Goodness sakes, it's amazing. But uh, so glad to welcome all of you here this morning and those of you that are joining us online. Uh, what a joy it is always to be in the house of the Lord. And I trust again today that you have come with expecting hearts as we have been pursuing this little book, the book of Jonah. Uh, God has been teaching Jonah lots of lessons, and I'm sure that he teaches us many lessons as well. Just a couple of quick reminders. Uh, we are in the process of wanting to reestablish a strong ushering ministry here at Liberty Bible Church. And we need some more volunteers who are willing to come maybe just a little bit early before the 9 o'clock or the 10.30 service. Really, we need them at 10.30 to help us to greet our guests and to let them know how much we appreciate them. The ushering ministry, in my mind, is probably more important than anything I will say from the platform because it sets the tone for everything that happens. You're greeting folks, you're welcoming them into our church fellowship, and it's a wonderful way in which uh, many of us can serve Jesus. So if God lays that on your heart, uh, jot me a little note or say, Pastor, I'd be happy to serve as an usher, and we will get in touch with you and do everything we possibly can to encourage you as you encourage others, because that's what it's all about. On Sunday morning, we come to please an audience of one. We come to lift our hearts in praise to the King. We do everything, and wasn't that fabulous, that baptism? Oh, my goodness. I I'm telling you, if it, this something, all the campuses came together. It was one of the most marvelous experiences you can ever experience. And so praise God for those that were baptized. You know, baptism is really our first step of discipleship. A lot of folks don't understand this. We don't require baptism for membership here at Liberty Bible Church, but it is that first step of obedience, of identifying openly with Jesus Christ. And so there'll be many opportunities in the future for those who have not followed the Lord in baptism to take this wonderful step of obedience as well. Again, I want to reaffirm what Daryl said about uh, the teachers. We dedicate them to, we dedicate each of you to the Lord Jesus. You have an opportunity to impact and, and change and transform the minds of students. And uh, what an awesome responsibility rests upon all those who are teaching either in home or in the public or private sectors. Wherever you are, God is using you. And please know that as your church family, we stand behind you in prayer. One additional announcement. Most of you realize that this is Pastor Kevin Decker's last Sunday with us here at the church. Uh, he has been a wonderful team member. But we feel that now's the time for him to continue to serve God. Uh, as God leads him, they're going to be relocating to St. Louis. I want you to be praying for them, that God would keep the, his hand upon them. 
Uh, I'm going to be actually going into sacred ground to have prayer with the Deckers at the end of this service. And uh, so Pastor Darrell will be closing the service this morning. So please keep the Deckers in your hearts and in your prayers. Uh, We are thankful for how God is at work in their hearts and also in each one of us as members of the family here at Liberty Bible Church. The only other thing I want to mention by way of introduction, and I've got a hustle here, uh, many of you have asked about, do you have anything in print on Jonah? This is the little book that has the entire series in it. There are a few more of them available down in the bookstore, uh, and uh, please take advantage of that if you'd like something a little more that you can remember the messages by as we have worked our way through this little book. All right, will you please take your Bibles and turn with me to Jonah chapter 4, and we're going to read the first four verses. Will you please stand in honor of the Word of God, and you follow along as I read as we come to the last few verses in this little book. Jonah chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew. Put a circle around those words. For I knew that you are a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today with thanksgiving for another opportunity to study your word and to grow in your grace. We are needy people. We need a touch from you. We need our hearts broken for lost people. We need to learn to love the way you have loved us. We need to experience what your grace can do in the transformation of human hearts. And so speak to us and open our minds. We'll praise you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, most of you know that I like uh, Peanuts cartoons, and uh, uh, whenever I get a little bit of spare time, I like to to read up on them. And in one of the uh, cartoons, uh, Lucy is... uh, uh, she has put on the character of a, of a psychological uh, counselor. And so Charlie comes to her, and he's pouring out the contents of his life to her. I mean, he's just sharing everything, and, and Lucy is listening attentively. Uh, attentively and, uh, and then Charlie says to Lucy, you know, Lucy, I remember that when you, you told me that uh, behind every dark cloud there is a silver lining. And uh, she, nod, she nodded her head, and, and then he picked up a, a kind of a, a pillow that was there on the couch in another frame, picked up the pillow. It was in the form of the cloud. Half of it was black, and half of it was white. And so he handed the cloud to, to uh, Lucy, and she says, Oh, I understand now, Charlie. We, the problem is we have a defective cloud. The cloud is defective. And that actually is what Jonah is experiencing. He thinks that he's doing what God wants him to do, but all he's been handed is a defective cloud. 
And so instead of exalting and being thankful and grateful for everything that God has been doing in his life, he, the very first words after God uses him to bring revival to the city of Nineveh. You would have thought he would have been praising God and rejoicing and thanking God for answering his prayer. And the very first few words out of chapter 4 are these. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Isn't it amazing? I mean, you take a look at everything God has been working on in his heart. He's running away from God. It takes him actually three crisis experiences before he actually cries out to the Lord in prayer. And God gives him a second chance. He's able to go to Nineveh. He makes a covenant that he's going to go to Nineveh and do what God's asked him to do. God uses the message to transform much of that city. And instead of ending on a high note, then, notice the text, then it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. Now, it's very interesting uh, that Jonah goes down in history as the pouting prophet. Uh, it's very interesting when you discover what Webster's Dictionary says about pouting. It describes pouting as showing displeasure by thrusting out the lips or wearing a sullen expression. Now, I don't know about you, but I have 11 grandkids and they are the joy of my life. But let me tell you, I have two grandsons that when things don't go the way they like it to go, they can create the most incredible faces that you can ever believe. I mean, they, they're out, their lip is stuck out, and oh my goodness, these cute little boys turn into people I don't even know. Because they are pouting, because they have allowed whatever happened to get the best of them. And man, they let everybody know that they are upset. And, you know, we adults, we are a little bit more sophisticated. We don't stip out, stick out our lips, but we sometimes, when we're not uh, feeling the best about others, we will avoid them or we will talk about them or we will create scenarios. I, I mean... We, we, we are a little bit more sophisticated, but little kids, man, they just let it all hang out. And, I mean, they, they pucker their lips and they, mm, mm, oh, my goodness. They, they begin to pout because that's kind of what kids do when they don't get their way. And Jonah here in chapter 4 has not gotten his way, and he is basically ticked off at God. Now, you'll remember all through this particular series of messages, God has been trying to teach Jonah some lessons. In chapter 1, he teaches Jonah about God's providence, that God is in control. God is in control. It is his providential care. Jonah thinks he can take matters into his own hands. He can flee from God. God pursues after him in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Notice he went to Tarchus, away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, but the Lord. He learned something about the providence of God, that God will always have the final say. You come to chapter 2, and we find out that he learned something about God's pardon. After he prays, after he realizes that he has messed up, 
He seeks God with all his heart. For example, he says in chapter 2 and verse 7, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you into your holy temple. Over in chapter 2, beginning at verse uh, 1 and 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. So here's a guy who, in chapter 1, learns about the providence of God, that God is in control. Chapter Two, he learns about the pardon, the forgiveness, and you remember at the end of chapter two, he recommits himself to do exactly what the Lord wants him to do, and when the Lord is convinced of that decision, what does he do? He moves upon the fish, and the fish spits Jonah out. So he learns about providence, he learns about pardon. In chapter three, he learns a lesson about God's power. I mean, he goes into that city, a huge city, a city of more than a million people. He just gets a day's journey into that city and he begins to preach the message that God gave him and the people didn't, they didn't, they didn't turn away from what he said. They believed, they were transformed and much of that city came to faith in Jesus Christ. He experiences the power of God. When we listen to God, do the message that God calls us to do, let me tell you, we can expect God to do things that are beyond our greatest expectations. And this, of course, is what happens with Jonah. He learns about God's incredible power. But you come to chapter 4. He's already learned about the providence of God, the pardon of God, the power of God, but he needed to learn one more lesson And this is probably the most important lesson that any of us can ever learn, and that is he needed to learn a lesson about God's pity, his mercy, and his grace. Notice in chapter 4 and verse 11, and should not I pity, there it is again, pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also as much cattle. So as we come to chapter 4, as we seek to wrap up the book, we are confronted with two gigantic contrasts. First of all, we see the depression of Jonah. And you see this, as we've said in verse 1, what takes place the revival in Nineveh, it displeased Joseph, or Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Now, it's very interesting. While he's doing God's work and doing things that God asked him to do, he is doing it with joy. He's doing it with, with enthusiasm. He's proclaiming this message. The focus is not on Jonah himself, but on the message that God has asked him to proclaim. But now here in chapter 4, his focus changes, and he's thinking only about himself. And he is unhappy. And there's a whole change in his disposition. I mean, that revival that started in the belly of that fish that was played out in chapter 3 where God uses him incredibly, all of a sudden now, you come to chapter 4, and Jonah is still all concerned about Jonah. He has no understanding of this incredible work that God has done in the hearts of those that were in Nineveh. And he feels discouraged, disillusioned, downcast. And in chapter 4, Jonah, this man of God, is defeated. Now, there are some inner feelings that contributed to this 
discouraging, downcast disposition. The first inner attitude is anger. He was angry. Why? Because God hadn't destroyed the city. I mean, he's already intimated that this was one of the reasons why he didn't want to go in the first place. Is he, was, he, he was afraid that God was going to use him as an instrument to transform the city, and now God has done what he's afraid God would do. <coughs> Excuse me, and it makes him very angry. I mean, these people that turned to God, these were the hated Assyrians. These were the ones who had mistreated his people, created all kinds of problems and havoc. Why should they inherit eternal life? He is upset that the gospel has been proclaimed and that these Assyrians have been cut to the core with conviction, have repented, turned away from their sins, and embraced Jesus Christ. But notice in verse 2, he prays to the Lord. The second time he prays. Remember the first time he prays, he's, it's a prayer of desperation. He's in that belly of the fish. Now, this is the second time he prays, but notice, instead of a prayer seeking God for forgiveness, a prayer of praise that he ends chapter 2 with, chapter 4, notice, is a prayer of complaint. Notice verse 2, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? He's angry, and his prayer is in the form of a complaint. Let me make this as clear as I possibly can, an angry person usually is a complaining person. A person who is upset with everything that has happened, they're angry, they're complaining, they can find no good. God can be doing all kinds of incredible things all around them, but because of their anger, they resort to complaining. And this is Jonah all over again. It's interesting that when things don't turn out our way, what do we do? We usually complain. And Jonah <laughs> should have known better because he knew all about the character of God. It's very interesting. Notice what he says. That is why I made haste, verse 2, to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He knows something about the character of God, and yet we see Jonah in chapter 4 so unlike God. Notice, he knows that God is gracious, but Jonah isn't gracious. He's angry. He knows that God is merciful, extends love to those who don't deserve it. Jonah's ticked off that God has shown love to these people that he didn't really believe deserved the gospel. He knows that God is slow to anger. He knows this about the character of God. And yet, he himself now is filled with all kinds of anger. And he knows that God is abounding in steadfast love. And he knows that when people repent, God sometimes changes his resolve. He knows all these things about who God is, and yet in chapter 4, he is acting totally unlike a God-fearing person because his focus is on himself and it's not on the living God. He knows all about him. He knows all about his character, but because he is all focused on himself, he misses all that God has for him. Second thing, not only is he full of anger, he is full of self-pity. Notice in verse 3, 
He says, therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. In fact, three times he says, oh, God, I'm tired. Take my life. He is so full of self-pity. And friends, when you have anger and self-pity coming together, you have a very depressed, discouraged, despondent individual. And that's exactly where Jonah is as we see him in these verses. He's depressed, he's angry, and he's full of self-pity because God has not obliterated these people that God sent him to and he agreed to go, but down deep inside his heart, he didn't want this to happen and he is ticked off at the Almighty God, even though he knows all about him. Number two, the compassion of God is seen in verse four. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Come on, it's like, it's like God puts his arm around Jonah and says, ah, come on, come on, come on, Jonah. Do you have any right to be angry? I mean, get over it. Get on with life. Life's too short to spend time in anger. And so what happens? He says, has you any right? And, you know, God now continues to use the forces of nature to somehow get through to Jonah. It's very interesting that in chapter 1, he, he uses the the wind and the, the raging sea to deal with Jonah. Chapter 2, he uses a great fish to deal with him. Chapter 3, he uses the beasts of the field, the flocks, water, and food to get Jonah's attention. Now in chapter 4, he uses a worm, a scorching east wind, and a blazing sun to teach Jonah a timeless message. Jonah, get your focus off yourself and start loving God and loving others the way I love others and the way I encourage others to love those whom I love. He needed to learn two important lessons. He needed to learn to love like God loves. You see, Jonah, like many of us, have never experienced what it means to be lost. Those people of Nineveh had absolutely no hope, no God, nothing. And many of us, when we think about our world today and we hear the statistic that only 40% are believers, 60% still have not heard the message of the gospel. That translates to 3.2 billion people have never heard. Many people do not understand what it means to be lost because if we did, it would change the way in which we lived. We have it all. We here in America have everything. We have it. But many of us, because we've been raised in the church and we have everything given to us and we have Bible verses since we're little children, we do not understand what it means to be lost. And until we understand that, we will not understand how God relates to lost people. And the message that Jonah is, God is trying to, to tell, help us get through to Jonah is simply this, Jonah, I want you to love as I love. And I want you to love people the way I love people. Now, notice the text there in verse 11. 
And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? Put a circle around the word persons. It does not refer to adults in Hebrew. It refers to little children. He's talking about little children. See, God loves the little children. Do you realize how many lost little children there are in our world today? There are people all around this community, little kids that are lost. He, he says, shouldn't I, I pity this great city in which there are 120 children, not even counting adults that don't know how to distinguish between their right hand and their left hand. They're lost. And Jonah, you had pity on the plant and you had pity on the worm and you were upset when that scorching heat came. You had nothing to do with that. I provided that for you. I was merciful to you. Should you not be merciful? Should you not show pity to those that are lost? My friends, lost people matter to God. God doesn't expect us to win the world, but he does expect us, each one, to reach someone. Someone in our circle that is lost and share the message of the gospel with them. That is the compassion of God. He loved those people so much that he didn't want to remain distanced from them. And that's what God is calling us, to love as God loves and to love people the way God loves people. We don't know what happened to Jonah at the end of this book. At the end of this book, it just kind of concludes. Well, did Jonah ever get over his pity party? We don't know. Did he ever rejoice in what God did for the people of Nineveh? The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Bible does, I believe, imply that we will only find life worth living when we, like Jonah, number one, love as God loves and we love people the way God loves people. Father in heaven, we have so much to learn from this little book. We learn that you are in control and even when we are out of control and we feel sorry for ourselves, you are the God who is totally in control. And so Lord, as we leave here and as we build our lives upon you, may we never forget these two important lessons to get close to the heart of God so that we can get close to those that are lost and to love others the way you have loved us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. As we close today, just a couple of thoughts I jotted down as Dr. John was preaching as we close and the importance of God teaching us how to love people. And God's going to love people through all of us in this room. But anger sometimes keeps us from totally being used by God. Anger is, a, is such a strong emotion as we've seen in the life of Jonah or even in Cain. God's trying to rescue us from ourselves, so that his love can flow in and through us to this hurting, dying world. 
And so as we close today, let's go ahead and pray. And we'll thank the Lord and that he would use us this upcoming week in the life of somebody that he opens up a door of opportunity for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for your compassion that you've shown to us through the book of Jonah. And that we too have a chance to not only love you, but to love others as the way you would want us to. I pray that you go before us this week and as we see whether see our family or our neighbors or our co-workers or our fellow workers, that you would just guide us. And Holy Spirit, may you touch our heart and give us the words to say or just the right nudge in, in knowing that you're there with us. We want to be used by you. Please flow through us in a way that is honoring to your son, Jesus. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You are dismissed. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.